I pray for for increase. Theologically, you 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 better be careful praying that. That is a song that is grounded in scripture. Most people commonly refer, refer to it as the prayer of Jabez, of Jabez. But the name Jabez means pain. His life was marked by a significant increase. But he had to go through something. So I'm telling you, be careful what you pray for. Last week we started a sermon series that we entitled The Good Life. The Good Life. We started out talking about one of Jesus' most famous sermons. It's found in the Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 5. It's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus starts out teaching by talking about what it means to be blessed in the kingdom. We're blessed in the Yeah. We're blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come and when we go. We cast down every stronghold. Sickness and poverty must cease for the devil is defeated. The songwriter said it. We are blessed. So last week we started out with part one of the, the first sermon. It's referred to as, if there's a theme associated with this first sermon, then it is the applause of heaven. The applause of heaven. So named because I recall certain children asking when they were toddlers after they had accomplished something Fairly minor in my book, but most significant to them. You know, like stack two blocks together. <laughs> and they stayed there. <laughs> or, you know, jumped up a little bit and landed without falling. They would ask, you proud of me? And then I already had an awareness of what it means to draw the approval of someone who is an authority in your life. Are you proud of me? I bet I'm not the only one in here who has at some point in my life asked the question. Somebody I love proud of me. Yeah, it seems like we do a lot of things. And in the end, we seek the approval of those who mean something to us. 
And so I ask you this question today, and it's not for you to have a dialogue with anyone, but it's for you simply to meditate on, is the Lord pleased or proud of you? Do you live your life such that the Lord is proud of you? Is that even a goal that you have? I submit to you today that the thesis surrounding this passage of scripture is Jesus giving a guidebook on how Christians ought to live in order for heaven to be proud of them. And when we live in that manner, then you might not hear it on this side, but on the other side of glory, heaven is applauded because you are setting an example. And so what does it take for us to live that way? Well, we started out with four simple, seemingly simple things that Jesus said. But Jesus has a way of turning our common notions of right upside down. And that's because we look at things from a worldly perspective. And most of the time, that's the wrong perspective. The world's systems don't guide heaven. And when we start using heaven's guidelines in the world systems, we catch friction in our lives. But still, you must know that the quickest way, the only way, to obtain the applause of heaven is to live like Jesus Christ is teaching us. And the first thing he told us last week was that you are blessed if you live a simple life. Blessed are the simple in verse 3. Let me go ahead and lift these verses again for you so you can hear it just as a frame of reference. So you understand what we're talking about. He wrote, he said, um, he being Matthew, the writer said, and seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, when he was sitting, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets 
which were before you. Verses 1 through 12, but Jesus' words are 3 through 12. Jesus said in verse 3, blessed are the simple, just by way of recap for you. That means those who have recognized their need for the Lord and their inability to achieve his righteousness in and of themselves, when you think simply like that, you're blessed. And then in verse 4, blessed are the sorrowful. That means those people who have come to the place of sorrow and grief over the fact that we live in a sinful state and are willing to change that sinful state to one of a one saved by grace. So blessed are the simple, blessed are the sorrowful. Then in verse five, blessed are the submissive. That means those who are being poor in spirit. In other words, they're not proud or puffed up. They realize their need for salvation. Uh, the word that's used in that scripture that often draws attention is meekness, which is always equated to weakness. And those are not the same thing. Meekness simply recognizes the holiness of God and causes us to be willing to humble ourselves before God and allow him to leave us. Blessed are the simple. Blessed are the sorrowful. Blessed are the submissive. And then last, we talk about blessed are the seekers. Those who do hunger, who have a daily desire to be closer to the Lord. Blessed are these people who work themselves towards learning more about Jesus Christ. The first four Beatitudes, which they're referred to, Beatitudes simply means joy. The first four of the Beatitudes are characterized as being guidelines that help us with our inner man. All right? How we act on the inside comes from the first four. This week, we're going to talk about the next group, and they deal with how we interact toward other people. So the first four tell us how we have to behave inwardly, how we have to think, and today we're going to study how I interact with you as my fellow believer. I got to tell you this now. This might not make somebody feel good. Every message isn't for everybody. All right. This is a house message. All right. This message goes in the house. It's for believers. Because if you're not a believer, me giving you these directions to live by doesn't mean anything to you. All right, but if you are a believer, then you need to know the guidelines on how you have to live. And once you know the guidelines, you are held accountable for living according to the rules. Guess what? Other believers, because we've been taught the guidelines, we can hold each other in check. Not just the Lord, but another believer can come to you and say, that ain't right. All right, you need to straighten that out because you know the rules as well. And so the next one that Jesus talked about is found in verse 7. And he said these words, blessed are they, are blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Right off the bat, after he talks about how we ought to keep ourselves, he talks about how we deal with other folk. And the first thing he tells us was you need to learn how to have mercy toward other folk. You, you need to care about other people. You need to be able, let me, let me break it down to you. If you don't understand what mercy is, it means be kind. 
to people. I used to jokingly sing a song around the house all the time. My family messes with me now, but I mean it. I used to walk around saying, just be kind to people. Because people need kind every day. Every day. Don't be mean to people. Kindness, compassion, benevolence, forgiveness, big word, forgiveness. I'm, I'm going to stand up here flat-footed and say this. If you don't understand the concept of forgiveness and claim that you are a believer, then you don't understand Jesus. All right, you can't claim that you can't forgive somebody and that you are saved in the same thought. Because there's no way you can claim something from him that you can't give to somebody else. I didn't say it was easy. Oh, no. But being able to forgive somebody is a core tenet of being a believer in Jesus Christ. And watch this. Let me tell you this because this is crucial. Forgiveness means forgiving somebody who is wrong. All right, that's a given. They are wrong. They have done something wrong. They have done something bad. They have hurt you. They have harmed you. It's easy to forgive somebody that ain't done that to you. The hardness comes when they have definitively harmed you. And by the world's standards, you ought to stay upset with them. People hide behind the statement, I forgive you, but I ain't going to forget it. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. Now, I'm not going to put us on the same standard as the Lord. All right? Because clearly he's working with compassion. We never know. But the Lord's standard is when he forgives, he forgets. Okay? That's the Lord's standard. He does not hold it against you. He does not keep a record of wrongdoing because he does it and watch this word, be careful how you use it too much, love. He does it in love. And his love is pure, not conditional. If you say you forgive somebody, then the next part of your journey in that forgiveness is in making sure you forget. I know it's hard. Yeah. Why is it hard? And why did it shock those people listening to Jesus Christ? Not just his disciples, but the Sadducees and all those other folks sitting around Jesus at the time. Why did that shock them? This was, this was mind boggling. You know, the emoji with the head blown. That's what would have popped up right there when Jesus said, made this statement. And the reason is because in that society, this level of forgiveness was unheard of. Oh no, you, you didn't treat folk like this. You, you didn't, you didn't forgive anybody, you know. Why? Because they were the Jews. They were the Hebrews. They were proud of their heritage. We are the chosen ones. All right. We're the chosen ones. And anybody that doesn't meet our standards ain't worth living in the first place. They look down on other people. 
They, they, they had no desire or compassion for anyone who wasn't of their heritage. That's why you always see in scripture them talking negatively about you. Gentiles. Non-Jewish people. We would have been looked down upon. And then and you look at the hue of our skin, we probably would have been down from the Samaritan line more than anybody else. And so they didn't like people who were colored different than them. We would have been in trouble. There was no mercy for us. And yet, Jesus alphabet says, you got to be, if you're going to follow me, you got to show mercy to other folk. Remember now, this was a time of Roman occupation. I, I want to bring you back to history on it. The Romans were occupying the land. The Hebrews had to have something that they held on to. It was a hard time for mercy to be shown. The Romans were not known for their mercy. The Romans were known by being unmerciful or merciless in how they dealt with people, particularly people who crossed the line against them. And sometimes when that's the standard in the community, when the other folk are being hard, you got to try to be hard up. Yeah. You, win, you end up hurting people who you actually should be loving or helping. That's right. So you ought to be blessing somebody. Yeah. Mercy wasn't shown. Mercy wasn't the order of the day. But Jesus said, you're blessed if you learn how to be merciful. I've told you this story before. One of the greatest examples of mercy I've seen came from a grandmama here in this community. I don't even know if she's still living. But she made an indelible mark on me when I saw how she dealt with her granddaughter. Her granddaughter had the mind that she was going to get something that she wasn't entitled to. And because nobody would give it to her, she decided she was going to take it. And so she convinced her little gullible boyfriend that they were going to rob her grandmom and granddad. Now, first of all, I know that throws you for a loop right there that you got to rob your grandmom and granddad. But they did. They came in one night into the home up in North Smithfield, man. This is a true story. To rob their grandmom and granddad. And they came in there, and before the night was over, granddaddy was dead. Aunt was dead in the house. Baby sister had been, was barely alive. They tried to kill her too, and grandmama had been shot. All because they wanted something that didn't belong to them. But I saw that grandma months later after the arrest had been made, after all the publicity had died down, after grandmama had recovered as much as she was going to recover, little sister had recovered as much as she was going to recover after the funerals for the dad, granddad and, and the aunt were conducted. Nothing left but the memories in the morning. This little girl still walking around. In my opinion, she was she had some problems that were greater than those displayed. And it was covered up in the fact that she was a dog. Just the loveliest little girl you've ever seen. You walk up on her and you think she was a little beauty queen. It's amazing to me. I ain't saying that you gotta be unattractive to be easy. I ain't saying that, but what I'm saying is it's beguiling. All right? 
I know this because I interacted with her on a daily basis over when I was at family court, and I'd see her, and I'd just look at her. I wouldn't really say anything to you. And one day she looked at me, and she said, you know who I am. And I'm saying, am I supposed to know who you are? Of course I knew who she was. She needed that. She needed it. But that grandmama went to that girl's trial when they tried her for capital murder. And that grandmama sat in that courtroom and they called that grandmama to the stand. And that grandmama told the story of what happened in her house that night when she lost her husband and her daughter, almost lost her life and her grandbaby. And that mama, that grandmama sat on that stand and she begged that judge for mercy for her grandbaby who had torn her life apart. It was the greatest act I'd ever seen at that point of somebody being forgiven. And the question was asked by a reporter. Why? How? Where does it come from? How do you get up on the stand and testify? And it wasn't complicated. She simply said, that's my granddaddy. Mercy is best when people deserve it least. That's when mercy is best. Blessed are the simple. Blessed are the sorrowful. Blessed are the simple. Blessed are the seekers. Blessed are the sympathetic. And the next one Jesus said is blessed are the sincere. The sincere. Verse 8 said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart. Those who are poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Who recognize their need for the Lord. People who get to that place in their life become pure in heart. Can, can, I, can I dig deep in your life for a second? When do you need God? Don't answer. Don't answer and don't answer quick. When do you need God? When do you call on God? Yeah, when, when do you actually put God in the mix in your daily life? When you run out of your own ability? When your capacity is at its limit? When you don't know if you're going to get the house, but you think you're going to get it? Yeah, I think we might get it. Yeah, and is that when you start praying? Lord, help us to get this house. Help us to get over the hump. I believe I got it. I got a 750 credit, but Lord, with your help, we can get a better interest rate. Come on, man. When do you call on the name of the Lord? Is it just when you are at which end? That's not a pure heart. No, 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 no. No, do you just use God as an ATM machine? How do you deal with him? There are some people who call on the name of the Lord because in truth, there ain't no other name they can call. Nobody else they can reach out to. There's nobody with skin on, on this side of glory that they can call on, and so they stick close to the master. We might see them as being destitute on this side. They see themselves as being covered. The Lord got me. Yeah. He'll take care of me 
today. Jesus said that those who are pure in heart will see God. In other words, when you can clear your heart of all this stuff down here, it opens up your vision to seeing God in a special way. When you're not uh, uh, unpolluted, when you're unpolluted by the world standard, when you're cleansed. Why do you think David said, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit? Because what happens is we get all polluted with the world system. And we start praying in ways that we shouldn't. We're mixing world stuff with heaven stuff, and it's just not pure. I, I know I think over time can get adulterated because this is a true confession. My, I bet if I got tested on my penmanship, I would flunk immediately. Now, I remember I went to school at a time when we had to take handwriting. Yes. Had to take handwriting. And now, if you say, Andre, you're going to lose all this, I just give it to you. Because my writing, if I'm trying, if I had to write out something longhand, that would be cursive letters with regular, I mean, I just can't do it no more. Why? Because I've mixed them together so long that I don't even remember the rules. <laughs> I don't remember the rules. Yeah. I've got carpal tunnel from signing my name for 20-something years. Right now, stuff. I literally have, I had to have a nerve conduction study on my hand because my fingers were going numb. And they still do. It's getting worse. Because of how much I have to use this. And it's gotten less with the computer, but that don't help. That's a different one. That's right. What I'm saying is I've gotten so mixed up in that one system of life that I can't straighten out the rules. Now, if I'm confused on my handwriting, what else in life have I polluted? Blessed are the pure in heart. What do you have a pure heart in? We can continuously enjoy God's presence when we have a pure heart. And sometimes we don't continuously enjoy God's presence because we don't have a pure heart and we ain't trying to have no pure heart. Pure heart. If we be honest with ourselves, it depends on the time of the day. Sometimes we don't want no pure heart at night. Yeah. Yeah, somebody's going to get that when they get home. Yeah, there are times of the day when we act different than we do during the day. There's a different part of us that comes out depending also, not only that, depending on who we're around, who's in our circle. There are some people that bring out the other you. And I'm in that group. And I struggle with it. And so we pray the same prayer. Lord, help us. I got to crucify daily the flesh so that I can be better for the Lord. Blessed are the simple. Blessed are the sorrowful. Blessed are the submissive. Blessed are the seekers. Blessed are the sympathetic. Blessed are the sincere. And then the Lord said, blessed are the serene. And he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Serene. 
for they shall be called the children of God. Peace is crucial. Peace is crucial. I see a lot of people at the beginning of the year say, in essence, what they're saying is my New Year's resolution, if I got to have one, is to have more peace in my life. I see that. That seems to be a predominant theme among people. Peace and serenity are opposite to the world's order because the enemy's way of keeping you distracted from heaven is through noise and confusion. And the more he keeps you involved in noise and confusion, of course, the less peace you have. And so you ought to, you're distracted whenever there's confusion going on. You can't get settled. Peace has been sought for as long as man has been in existence. It's the one commodity that we tend to not be able to get immediately. you got to work hard to live a peaceful life. We are, watch this, watch this, and please understand it, that this is Jesus saying this. We are expected to live in peace with the folk around us. We are expected to live in peace with them. You can't live in peace with somebody you won't forget. There's an automatic wrinkle that's in the relationship. And until you smooth out that wrinkle, you're going to continue having that problem. Now, let me go just another level deeper for you in terms of you living. You can't live at peace with somebody you haven't forgiven, even if the one you haven't forgiven is yourself. All right? Is you. You got to leave you alone. You've got to forgive yourself for all that you blame yourself for. You got to straighten it out in your heart before you and the Lord can have a peaceful relationship. And look, when you figure out how to live at peace with other men, you will be closer to living at peace with the Lord. With the Lord. And in fact, I'm going to take it one step further and tell you that you can't have this kind of peace that I'm talking about without God. People are always searching for a substitute for this peace. They're always searching for a substitute for peace in their lives. They're looking for some substance that gives them peace in their life. They're looking for some person who gives them peace in their lives. And what I came to tell you is there is no substitute for this kind of peace in your life. The entire world system operates on providing you a false substitute for peace in your life. They tell you, you can have peace if you take this vacation to this place. You'll be at peace. For the low price of $12,000. You'll have peace for seven days. Fertility is not included. They tell you that. Yeah, you still got to tip them, folks. Yeah, and you won't have no peace if you don't tip them, folks, either. Not only that, they ain't going to leave them the elephants and bunnies on your bed. If you're not tipping them, they're going to be side-eyeing you. 
Ain't no peace. Now, if you ain't got no peace on the cruise, what you spend your money for? Peace. Peace is important. A whole lot of y'all thought you were going to have peace when you reached a certain point in your life. I came to tell you that that don't happen. You're not going to have peace in your 50s if it was raggedy in your 30s. Certainly not going to have peace in your 50s if it was raggedy in your 40s. Because what was raggedy in your 40s is going to bleed over into your 50s. Wherever you are right now, stop. Start dragging your foot. All right? Get that mess out of your life right now. You want to see a peaceful 80-year-old man? He started grabbing peace when he was 30. My granddaddy used to say to me all the time, sit back <laughs> in the den uh, in that, in that uh, den filled with smoke. But he's sitting up there smoking them long cigarettes. And he sit there just as happy. And he would say to me, David, son, he would say, son, I don't worry about nothing. Nothing. And I look at him and he would be just as serious. He said, I don't worry about nothing. And I meant him. He was just as at peace. It didn't matter because he realized his grown children had to make their own decisions. He couldn't frame the decision, and so he stopped trying. <laughs> he stopped trying. He had no bills. Bills caused much problems. Yeah, but the pursuit of bills caused problems too. You know, some of us work real hard to make bills. But he said he didn't worry about anything, and I believed him. And he had this serene look on his face. And he could just talk and reminisce. And, but for the fact that I was so thrilled for him, you could almost be envious of somebody in that space because I knew how far away from that I was. You know, even in talking to him as he's talking about peace, I'm thinking about something that's raggedy in my life. And I came to tell you today, you can have this kind of peace, but you're going to have to depend on the Lord. And that's why he was able to do so. He used to always pray this prayer. He said, we need more sincere and humble prayer. He said it all the time. Anybody stood in a circle with him while he was praying over Thanksgiving dinner for about 20 minutes. He would always say that. Sincere and humble prayer. And people just say, daddy, daddy, don't, somebody else pray. Daddy going to pray too long. That's because daddy got so much to pray for. That's why he prayed so long. When he started thinking about everybody that he's praying for, that's why he prayed so long. He can't hardly stop praying. How long do you pray? No. Blessed are the simple. Blessed are the sorrowful. Blessed are the submissive. Blessed are the seekers. Blessed are the sympathetic. Blessed are the sincere. Blessed are the serene. And then I need to tell you, blessed are the shun, those who have been shunned. Yeah. Verses 10 through 12 read this way. Um, Blessed are they which are persecuted 
for righteousness sake. And I do bless other peacemakers. Yeah. Peacemakers, of course, those who bring peace into their life. We did that. Yeah. Blessed are those shun. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. The Lord said, when you go through those things, for me, you're blessed. One famous songwriter a few years ago came up, I think, with an appropriate saying, you've been picked out to be picked on. Yeah. When you're walking with the Lord, when you're working for the Lord, people are not going to take easily when you are trying to tell them or show them that their life is not right. And you may not even be saying anything to them, but the truth of the matter is the more you try to live right, your life becomes a mirror to them. And every time they look at you, they see what they're not doing right. And so they get upset behind that. Not that you said anything, you might not even be throwing it out at them, but it's their inadequacy that frustrates them. And so they bother you. You ever wonder why you're trying to do right on your job and somebody always trying to mess with you? That's why. Because you remind them of what they cannot do. But I came to tell you to hold on. Keep on doing what you're doing. Because the Lord said, he didn't say you weren't going to go through it. He didn't say it wasn't going to be tough. He didn't even say you weren't going to suffer behind it. In fact, he said you are going to suffer on this side. But I came to tell you, there's a reward. If you don't faint, there's a reward. Don't strategize on how to get them back. That's not your job. Battle's not yours. He knows how to take care of them. There's enough example in scripture where he said, yeah, you can mess up his life, but you can't put your hand on him. Don't touch him. Yeah, some of us have lost jobs behind that kind of thing. That's just the way it is. But hold on. Keep being strong. Keep on doing what's right and the Lord will bless you. When you're persecuted and mistreated for doing right in the sight of the Lord, you're going to be blessed by heaven. You are an example that some people will only see. The only Bible they'll ever see will be you. The only life they'll never ever read about Jesus, but they'll see you every day. I know people don't know, don't want to say I can live like Jesus, but you can try. You can try to live a standard. That's right. You can treat people decently and in order. Know this. He said it too, that if the world hate me, you know they're going to hate you as well. And we know they hated Jesus. How much did they hate him? They hated him so much that they killed him for something and he had done no wrong. They hated him so much that they took him, an innocent man, in the place of one who is a condemned criminal. They sacrificed our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be right about themselves. And it wasn't Rome that did it. It was the church that did it. The people who should have known better, the people who have been told better, who have been taught better, should have known what Messiah looked like when he came. It's these same folks. Who led the charge. And so don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. When you are reviled. For trying to do right. I came to tell you today. To be strong my brother. Be strong my sister. 
Heaven is applauding when he see when it sees that you are living right. Heaven is applauding when you take the insult and don't respond. Heaven is applauding when you wake up in the morning knowing it's going to be tough and yet you go and you put that shift in anyway. Heaven is applauding when your children don't treat you right when you live your life for them. Heaven is applauding when your husband mistreats you even though you've been a godly wife. Heaven is applauding when your friends turn their back on you. Heaven continues to applaud as you live according to the tenet that Jesus Christ told us we have to live. So let me ask you, if you're not in the household of faith, do you now know that someone died for you so that you could live a good and righteous life? If you didn't know that before today, I'm glad to be the one to come and share that message with you. So having extended that information to you, I now extend an invitation to you. And I ask you, do you now want to start trying to live your life again? If you do, then today is the day I offer you a chance to do so, to make that public declaration that I want to live my life in Jesus Christ. Come on to Jesus right now. That's all we say. The opportunity is available for you. We're opening the doors of our church right now so that you can come and be a part of our church family. So ever we right now.